Good day, everybody, and welcome to week 11, the week 11 review of the football cavalcade with John Dooley. Just a reminder, you can find us on Spotify and other applications where podcasts are heard. Make sure to subscribe to us on your network. If it be Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, we usually release these on... I'd say Monday night, Tuesday morning, every once in a while we'll have a delay and it won't get out till about Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, but that was just last week. Oh, we're excited about the football. We're always excited about the football and some fun games that we saw last week. We had a couple of really good ones across the country. We're going to talk mainly on this podcast about the Big Ten, do a quick review of the Mid-American Conference and the Missouri Valley Football Conference because we review what's taking place in the Midwest But I just want to keep you guys up to date as to what's going on. I think what happens a lot, especially as the NFL season gets going, a lot of the focus across the country moves to the NFL. And I think that's kind of normal. This year was a little different because the the level of play in the NFL, and I don't know if you guys felt the same way, I felt the level of play was really poor. Just a really low level of play across the country. And uh, there seemed to be some bigger college games earlier in the year. And now it's starting to switch a little bit. There's starting to be a little bit more talk and a little bit more umph around what's taking place in the NFL. So on Monday, when Monday comes, I think most of the discussion revolves around what happened in the NFL on Sunday. And it kind of steals the spotlight for Monday, but not for me. I'm looking back at the college games on Monday and looking back at some of the games that I watched, some extended, I watch the summarized games, usually like a 45-minute clip because I can't watch all seven Big Ten games in their entirety. I usually will watch about three because I'm a nerd and then I'll watch extended on four. It's a lot. And I'm finding week to week, I'm having less to say. Like there's just not as much that... I find pertinent to talk about. We're starting to kind of get a good feel for these teams, except for the Big Ten West, which is just still kind of a mess, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But let's review uh, what took place across the country. Once again, my name is John Dooley, and this is the Midwest Football Cavalcade. You can find us on Spotify and Apple and friend us on Facebook. We've got a private group where we post some stuff and also on Twitter if you follow us at Dooley Football. Some top games of the week. Tennessee really stuck it to Mizzou. I don't know if you got a chance to check that one up. 66 to 24. This, Believe it or not, this was just a 28-24 game early in the second half. And then the Vols and Hooker just really took it to them. I love this Tennessee team. I think they're fantastic. I really want them to hit that next level as a squad, and we'll see over the next couple of weeks. Bama was kind of in a must-win situation, and this was also kind of the game. If Ole Miss really wanted to maybe sneak their way into the playoff. This was the game that I think they needed and they didn't get it. They had the ball. They were driving late, but Bama held them off 30-24. to 24. And um, just kind of same old, same old for Ole Miss, right? You know, you get the feeling with some of the teams they have that have a chance going into November and something just goes wrong. And we'll see if they can rebound from it. But a big win for Bama to kind of stop the bleeding for them. How about that ACC, huh? Boston College. Really awful beating NC State. 
I know, I'm just ripping the ACC every single week. I don't mean to be Mr. Anti-ACC. You guys want to hear positive ACC news? I think Florida State's a good team. There you go. That's your positive ACC news. I think Florida State's actually good. Remember how they played LSU early in the year? I think they're a good team. I really do. I think Florida State's on the up and up. Clemson came back after that bad loss and won, so good for them. And uh, that's about it. That's all the positive news I've got. (laughs) All the positive news I've got from the ACC. Central Florida actually got a big win over Tulane. I know a lot of eyes were on Tulane to see if maybe they could kind of pop in and make a run and maybe mess some stuff up in regards to New Year's Six bowl games. But uh, probably not going to happen now. Central Florida getting the big win on them. And then that Washington-Oregon game was something. Big win for the Huskies. You know, Washington was the team kind of going into the year with all of the noise. And then they faded for a bit. So they get a big win, 37-34. And then TCU beating Texas. I love my Horned Frogs. I love this team. This is my team. I'm adopting them. They're my non-Big Ten team. And uh, they deserve a chance to play the best. And they should. UCLA took a big hit in that home loss to Arizona. That can't happen. Um, to have that happen at home in the Rose Bowl, pretty rough. And uh, just one of those things that you feel bad about. You know, they were struggling with attendance. There was a lot of consternation around UCLA attendance and people aren't showing up to the games and blah, blah, blah. And they had a shot. Oh, you know, they got the big game coming up this week. All the noise. Everybody's looking forward to a big game. UCLA, USC, the Battle of Los Angeles. Ugh, and they lost all that pomp and circumstance to the game. It'll still matter, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Let's get to the Big Ten slate. And remember, for the second straight week, ooh, it was full. It was so full. I didn't really leave the house this weekend. I was just realizing, that. oh, that's not true. I went to my parents on Saturday. Where did you go over the weekend? This will be like Mr. Rogers when I talk, you know, when he talks to the kids and waits for the response. Great. Sounds good. I went to my parents, drove up to the far northwest suburbs, and uh, got to meet with some family, and that was fun. Delicious food. Got to see my grandmother. It was her birthday. Everybody wish Grandma Joy a happy birthday. And I enjoyed it. Uh, the weather got cold. It's cold in the Midwest now. Oof. We're expecting snow tomorrow in the Chicago area, for those of you that aren't aware. So we're getting that. That's our excitement. And uh, we're not going to see the sun, apparently, till Sunday. <laughs> so that's fun. No sun till Sunday. Can't wait. So uh, we'll see how that plays with my, with my uh, seasonal depression that I seem to go through every year. Anyway, you know, there's always football to pick us up. What am I supposed to be down for? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't have it. Seasonal what? I got football games all around me. Anyway, let's get to that Big Ten slate because there was a couple games that were just ugh. Almost like they didn't even happen. I was watching them. Sunday happened. I was frustrated by the Bears laws, which I'll talk about some other time. But all these games happened. I, I watched these games. Sunday happened. I'm doing my review of my notes on Monday. And I'm like, Ohio State, Indiana. I don't remember that game at all. My wife got sick on Sunday and uh, she was sick most of the day. And she was sick today as well on Monday. So 
uh, I think it just kind of distorted time a little bit. Now, Indiana, you know, Basilic tried to play. Dexter Williams was in for a bit. He's a dual-threat QB, but it was a lot for him to kind of take in. He really struggled throwing the ball. C.J. Stroud had five touchdown passes, and uh, uh, Mayan Williams ran for over 100 yards in the first half, and then he got hurt. And as of my recording, I have not gotten updates on Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson. I, You know, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong and put this on the, the Facebook page, but I believe Ohio State runs their – press a day after most other teams. Most other teams will either do a Monday presser, some do a Tuesday. I think Ohio State's is Wednesday. It's like really annoying, Ryan Day. I don't need that. Move it up for the podcast. Do it for me so I don't get injury updates. And I went through and checked all the writers and the post-dispatch. There was no update yet on Mayan Williams' status for next week. Travion Henderson was already out, so they're shorthanded. Didn't matter. They brought Hayden into the game, and he got 100 yards rushing. So it doesn't matter what running back they have. They're number one, they're number two, they're number three. They ran for 340 yards on the day. And here's what's crazy about Ohio State. Think about this. We haven't seen their offense at full strength yet. I'm reading all these articles about Michigan this and Michigan that and how solid the defense is, and it might even be better than the defense they had last year. Ohio State hasn't even had their full offense yet. We haven't really gotten Jackson Smith and Jigba, another guy we're waiting for updates on, which for me, by the way, side note as a Bears fan, I'm not willing to invest in a guy that I don't know if he's going to be healthy. So no update yet on Williams. We don't know about the receiving core. Everything's kind of mum. We'll see what happens. There's not a lot to learn from this for Indiana. Just a bad year all around. Frustrating year for Tom Allen. He could sit here and point to a couple injuries here and there, but overall, they've been beat. Like, they've been beat. They've been beaten these games. And Basilic was kind of a letdown, if we're being honest about it. And I feel like C.J. Stroud, I know he gets a lot of press and a lot of focuses on Bryce Young and other quarterbacks around the league. Man, and I know C.J. Stroud's got all that talent around him, but dude, that dude's good. Like, he's legitimately good. And I hope people don't look at him and look at Justin Fields with the Bears and think like, oh, these are the same types of quarterbacks. They're really not. I think you can see right now Justin Fields is a special runner. He's a special type of runner. And I think C.J. Stroud might see the field better than Fields did at this point in his career. That doesn't necessarily mean that I think Stroud will be better than Fields. I'm just saying as a thrower, I think Stroud sees the field better. I think Fields is just a more gifted, all-around, more athletic, more talented player as of right now. But Stroud might some have some intangibles that might actually translate even better into the NFL. I don't know. We'll see. I think we're all looking forward for what's going to happen in two weeks. And um, it's going to be the game of the year. Moving along to uh, what I felt was the game of the weekend. What a lot of people felt was the game of the weekend. And if you're an Illini fan, was extremely frustrating was the Purdue 31-24 to victory over Illinois. And uh, give credit where credit's due to Purdue. I mean, this was a team that could have rolled up. They've experienced some really frustrating losses, and they didn't do it. They go on the road into a hostile environment. Not the best officiated game ever. There were some very questionable calls in this game. But there's also a couple things that Illinois can point to and say, hey, we didn't do this. My biggest frustration is if you were watching this game, Illinois went up 14-7 to at the end of the first half, and they got the ball back. And they had enough time to try to be not overly aggressive, but to try to make a play 
to flip the field and get themselves in position where they had three timeouts where they could do something and maybe try to get points before the end of the half. And they played it way too conservatively. Purdue got the ball in good field position. They got a really suspect defensive pass interference call on an interception. And the very next play, um, O'Connor finds Charlie Jones in the end zone for a touchdown on a play that probably was mistimed by the defensive back and went over him. And playing the winds in champagne as a defensive back can be tricky because the ball can just take off on you. But before you knew it, the game was tied. And we went from maybe looking at a 17-7 to half to having a 14-14 tie. Illini shot themselves in the foot with some real dumb penalties throughout the game, especially that roughing the passer call on Newton that took place. That was just dumb. And uh, a really chippy game. Purdue got some stupid personal foul calls. If you were watching it, you probably noticed uh, the Illini were kicking off from the Purdue 35 at one point. They were kicking off from the Purdue 35 because of personal fouls on Purdue. And um, Illini had chances. They're down 28-21 and uh, had a tipped interception that led to a Purdue field goal, and that was pretty much it. And here's what's gotten me over the last couple of games if you're an Illinois fan. They've been beaten at the line of scrimmage. All we heard about was all of these returning starters and how that was defining their running game and how that made Chase Brown and this running game so good and how they gave DeVito time, and that's what's been the difference, and how good this front seven for Illinois has been. Man, these last two games, they've been getting, they've been getting whipped at the, at the point of attack. They really have. And, and I, honestly, these are dumb, stupid losses. If Illinois plays their game, they probably win these games. I, I'm not going to go as far as saying that they're the better team in these two games. I think they're this year it, with this roster and how they're playing, I do still think they're better than Michigan State. And I think it, on this day, probably a little better than Purdue, but not good enough to get by playing like that. That's for damn sure. And it came back and it got them. These are two I feel, I know maybe their fans don't feel the same way. I think Michigan State and Purdue are two decently coached teams. And they've got talented players, and you're not going to make dumb penalties and play an Aiden O'Connell team and expect to win the game. And they just seem to beat teams on the road or at home when they're ranked and when their backs are against the wall, and no one expects them to do it. That's when they deliver, almost like to the point where they're expecting it now. Chase Brown also got banged up during the game. 12 penalties for 121 yards for the Illini. And O'Connell was fine. You know, he's good. I'm not sure I'm as high on him as I was earlier in the year. I was speaking his praises pretty highly. I'm not quitting on him by any, by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I you know, I, I guess I've seen some more balls sail on him than I have earlier in the year. And here's another thing. This is just one of the things of playing in the Big Ten. The weather gets bad. You're playing in these towns where champagnes in the middle of I'm not wanting to say in the middle of nowhere but but the winds that are in central Illinois and that are in a lot of these midwestern states they're unobstructed they whip up it's tough to throw the ball in November on the road in the Big Ten it's just really tough so I don't want to get too down on them it certainly helps that they've actually gotten some more help on the ground in the latter half of the year uh, Maccabee's been a big help for them as well so that's going to give people some problems and I I know I kept talking Purdue this, Purdue that. They were kind of my, one of my sleeper teams with Maryland and um, uh, in Minnesota. 
And I, they still got a chance of taking this Big Ten West. It's still there for them. So maybe I wasn't as wrong as I thought. For the Illini, you know, DeVito was okay. He was all right. He hasn't been bad. He hasn't been a game changer. He probably could run the more ball more if he wanted to. Like he could probably take off a couple times more. I keep that's one thing I have seen as a, as a, thre- a current uh, thread from him. A couple times a game, he makes a decision where I'm like, you know, you probably could have gotten an easy six or seven out of that instead of trying to force the ball. But that's kind of a next step for him. So a rough loss for Illinois, a huge win for Purdue. That's going to keep them and their hopes alive in the Big Ten West. In the Big Ten East, there was another game in East Lansing that took place between Michigan State and Rutgers. And don't look now, but Sparty, old Sparty's back at 500. The Spartans took care of Rutgers 27 to 21. You know, Gavin Wimsett actually had a pretty good day. Best passing day of his collegiate career as far as I'm concerned. I think he got more passing yards in another game, but threw a couple touchdowns. You know, he got one in garbage time, but still... Uh, overall, for a guy who's more known for what he can do with his legs, he was able to to, to get some big plays, throwing the ball as well. Peyton Thorne was solid again. You know, give credit where credit's due. I said at the beginning of the year, he's not a guy who's going to go out and win you a game, but he was solid again. And uh, Rutgers improved their running game. Offensively, this is probably Rutgers' best offensive game of the year. They actually played fairly well, much better than in their earlier games. And uh, State improved significantly on the ground. 33 carries in, in two, for 201 if you take away the kneel downs. They have been struggling running the ball all year. Rutgers has a halfway de- decent run defense. Um, so that's actually pretty good. Uh, the problem for Rutgers was 14 penalties. You know, you're, you're trying to get these wins. You're trying to finagle a, a bull berth and seeing if you're, you can sneak in there. This was maybe one of those games you, you could have had a chance to steal. But when you're committing 14 penalties, that's just not going to happen. By the way, on the defensive side of the ball, and Michigan State, I think, has got some stars on that defensive side of the ball. I think they've been underachieving all year. I know in the first half of the year, they were dealing with some injuries. but They got some of their guys back. I feel like they should be better. One guy who's been consistent has been Cal Halliday. He had a pretty good game for them. So good game for the Spartans. They defeat Rutgers 27-21, and now they're sitting at 5-5. Five and five. As we get closer to the big one. Oh, the big one. We're all waiting for the big one, right? The big Michigan-Ohio State battle. We're kind of reviewing these games. They almost feel like preseason games. Uh, Michigan took care of Nebraska 34-3. to Nebraska got eight first downs. Eight. I feel bad for Mickey Joseph. This is such a tough situation for him. 146 total yards. Ugh, that's absurd. And they didn't turn it over. It wasn't they lost by 31 points. It wasn't like, oh, well, they turned it over four times. And if they didn't, it would have been close. No, they're just bad. They were just dominated. Michigan had 412 total yards, 264 on the ground. And uh, you're asking guys like Purdy and Smothers, who I don't think were expecting to play this much, um, to try to face one of the top defenses in the country, and it did not go well for them. We'll have a better idea next week how good this Michigan defense is when they play Illinois and their line. Uh, I'm expecting the Illini and that offensive line and their running game to kind of pick it up next week. Uh, Hopefully Chase Brown's okay. But once again, Michigan didn't have a single pass completion longer than 30 yards. I know I've been harping on this. I've been harping on this now, I think, what, for three, four weeks? But they're going to have to put the ball downfield. Maybe it's the biggest secret in the world, and I don't know. 
Harbaugh's just playing possum. They're going to play Ohio State, and they're going to throw like eight touchdown passes longer than 50 yards. And I'll have to come back on this podcast and be like, I was wrong. Uh, Quorum and McCarthy were in control. And hey, it's not McCarthy's game, right? It's not McCarthy's game to do that. He has, we heard when he was being recruited, he's got a great deep ball. Like he should be able to throw it. It's going to open things up for the offense. But they also do have a great line and they can run it. It's just when you have a quick defense like Ohio State, you're asking their 11 guys to really just cover 20 yards. Put in the 4-4. Run one safety high. Don't feel bad when you throw in the cover zero. Play press. Like, what do you have to lose? He's not going to beat you deep. So all of the pro-Michigan talk and all of the Michigan celebration. I just think it needs to be toned down until we can see them take advantage of that. Now, if if Michigan lines up against Ohio State in two weeks and physically beats them and beats them playing that brand of ball, I will, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What will I do? I have to come up with something. I just don't see it happening because Ohio State's just going to be able to, they're just able to do more on their offensive side of the ball. I know how good Michigan's defense is, but man, And that's the matchup, right? I think we're all excited to see Ohio State's offense against that Michigan defense. It's going to be really good. But I think Michigan's going to have to respond. In today's college football, it seems that the offense is slightly ahead of the defense. I know not necessarily in the Big Ten, but I think with the best teams in college football it is. And I think you can put Ohio State and Michigan in that category. So that's just my hunch. We'll see. I feel like I've been previewing this game now for like six weeks. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one team that's bottomed, bottomed out and another one that's really kind of hit a new level. Penn State, man, they shut out Maryland 30 to nothing. Maryland kept saying they wanted to be this elite Big Ten team that you should say their name in the same sentence as teams like Penn State, in the same sentence as Michigan. And I tell you what, they played Michigan fairly tough at Michigan earlier in the year, but boy, Penn State really punched them in the mouth this week. Penn State's playing really good football. And that Ohio State game did something to them. I think it gave them confidence. It made them think, hey, we can play with the best teams in the country. The Lions were up 27-0 at the half. Terps are sinking. If you see a turtle falling, it's probably a Maryland Terrapin. And all those good vibes entering the conference season that the Terps had feel like they're gone right now. They got Rakeem Jarrett back. Um, back for uh, Maryland. Didn't matter. Couldn't run. Always under pressure. Talia was under siege. Got sacked seven times. 134 total yards for the Terps. And uh, here's what you see. Whenever you play Penn State, you kind of feel like it's, it's, it's going to be the same thing, right? Singleton and Allen are going to do their thing. Clifford's not going to make, now it looks like Clifford's not going to make that big mistake. And if that's the case, Man, you're in trouble. Penn State's got a good team, and they've, uh, while they're not going to win that Big Ten East, they're going to go to a nice bowl. They're going to go somewhere warm. And uh, they're, they're uh, closing out play here pretty strong as they took care of the Terps 30 to nothing. Uh, other games Iowa beats Wisconsin 24 to 10. Did you know, here was an interesting stat Iowa had the lowest, and I uh, perk up your ear, ears for this one because this was an interesting stat that I found. Iowa had the lowest yards per play to win a game by more than 14 points since 2007. 
That's 15 years. Uh, I'm sorry, third lowest. Third lowest out of the entire country, not the Big Ten. Out of every college football played uh, game in the FBS since 2007, out of those 15 years, that was the third lowest yards per play to win a game by more than 14 points. 2.15 yards per play for Iowa, and they won by two touchdowns. Huge blocked punt that led to a score, big interception for a score. Um, I mean, the Badgers' defense was in good shape. Iowa's offense played like Iowa. But I will say this about the Hawks. They have been able to convert uh, in some big situations in these games in the red zone where the defense has given, has given them good position. They've been able to get in the end zone enough, <laughs> I should say, to put them in the situation where they're 6-4 and four and they still got Big Ten West hopes. When we spent the first four to five games of the year making fun of these guys. But we've also been very clear as we were making fun of their offense. It's a truly, truly good defense. Uh, Mertz was befuddled by the Iowa defense, and uh, they just couldn't get things going. Really, really sloppy game. Uh, Tight defense for Iowa. They made things happen. They played the game that they play. They've won a couple games like this this year already. And uh, if you're Wisconsin, it just kind of felt – I said it was um, a move-the-needle game. That's what I called it before. And it definitely moved Kirk Ferentz and his son into more job security. (laughs) And it moved Wisconsin kind of into this nebulous area. Hey, everything's solved if you win these last couple games if you're Wisconsin. But just it leaves you a bad taste in your mouth after watching that game. But that's what Iowa's done to a bunch of teams this year. That's not just – you know, if you're a Wisconsin fan, don't think that you're alone. Iowa's defense has made a lot of teams look bad. So good win for the Hawkeyes getting back on track and another bump in the road for Wisconsin after they were looking pretty good winning three of four. Uh, Minnesota just bombed Northwestern 31-3, to and Kelly McManus didn't have much to do for Minnesota. So good for him, good for them. Ibrahim had 176, yard, uh, 176 yards rushing and three touchdowns. And uh, how about Northwestern? They used four quarterbacks. <laughs> Brendan Sullivan got hurt. Kalinske came in. They had four different quarterbacks come in the game. That's awesome. Uh, Gophers ran for 302 yards. They kind of got back to basics. And here they are. Minnesota 7-3, and three, folks. They're charging. They had that terrible loss at home to Purdue that kind of set them back a little bit. Didn't know Ibrahim was going to be hurt. Then he was got pounded by Illinois, and I thought, well, that's it. It's over. Well, here they come. They're charging, so we'll see what happens there. So a good week of football in the Big Ten. A lot of fun stuff. I don't think we learned anything terribly new. Just that Iowa's not dead. Penn State's a little better than we thought. Minnesota's not going to go away, and uh, neither is Purdue. And Illinois, ugh. How depressing if you're an Illinois fan. Just a Just a really depressing loss on Saturday. Let's go to other games around the Midwest in the FBS. Notre Dame took care of the Naval Academy, 35-32. Irish fell asleep in the second half. Uh, Drew Pine was blitzed a lot in this game, by the way. He actually made some decent decisions. Had a nice read on a TD pass to Estime. That was nice to see. How about that catch by Braden Lindsay? Holy Moses, if you have not seen this catch yet, Stop what you are doing. Pull over your car. Uh, go on your phone. Type in Braden Lindsay, last name L-E-N-Z-Y. An amazing catch where he 
jumped over the back of the defender, pinned the ball to the back of the defender, got both feet down and made the catch while the ball was on the defender's back. Just insanity. Irish led 35-13 at the half, and it looked like, oh, there's no reason to watch this game. But Navy kind of slowly, slowly but surely crept their way back into the game to make it 35-32 late, but didn't get an onside kick. And the Irish kind of struggled running the ball. It's kind of odd. You know, Diggs and Estime were like 21 carries for 80 yards combined. That's not good enough. Not good enough. You know, Pine had a decent game. But you got to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage against these guys. So do you feel good they finally beat a bad team after having those losses at home to Marshall and Stanford? Sure. But now they got that tough one against Boston College. Remember what I said? Remember what I said? Notre Dame's going to play Boston College. Uh-oh. Yeah-oh. And Notre Dame has issues against Boston College. So the Irish are coming in at 7-3. and three. BC's coming in, not good. But they just had a big win, and you know they want to beat the Irish. They'll be up for it. So Notre Dame's got to win that game if they really want to get to a good bowl because then they have USC, and that's a game where they can really kind of make a big jump and make a statement to get into a bowl game. So we'll see what happens there. Little mini Mac review just to let you know what's going on in the Mac. We actually have a clincher. Did you know the Toledo Rockets have already clinched the Mac West? Yeah, they're already there. They beat Ball State 28-21. They're in the MAC title game, so they're going to play for the MAC championship. But the MAC East has not been determined. Ohio won again. The Bobbers beat Miami 37-21. The Bobcats are all alone in first place. And how did that happen? Because Central Michigan, the Chips, got a stunner over Buffalo. So they're there all by themselves, and Kent State was dominant over Bowling Green. Remember, last week it was a three-way tie. So now the Bobbers have a one-game lead. So Ohio's up in the MAC East by one game over Buffalo and Bowling Green. They have the tiebreaker on Buffalo. There's only two games left, and they play Bowling Green in the finale. That's my way of saying Ohio controls their own destiny. So we'll see what happens, and we'll see if they'll get a chance to play the Toledo, Toledo Rockets for the MAC championship. Missouri Valley Football Conference Review Uh, Indiana State got a shutout over Western. Both of their seasons are over. North Dakota continues to truck along with their 28-19 victory. So North Dakota, the old Sioux, are 7-3 and and, um, have a chance to make the postseason. They have a very tough game next week, though. North Dakota State wraps up their bye, I believe wrapping up their bye, with a win in Carbondale. SIU's probably officially out of the playoff hunt. They drop to... Five and five. South Dakota State had a slow start, but ended Illinois State's playoff dream. So the birds are probably done at six and four. I think they're five and five. I think they're five and five. Yeah, they are. And Missouri State may have ended Youngstown season 25-22. I'm not sure if a seven and four Penguins team can make the playoffs. They are hosting SIU next week. Next week, we've got some big games. We'll get to those in just a moment when we return on the Cavalcade. We are back on the Cavalcade looking at the games coming up for week 12. And oh, my goodness. I don't think I've ever been more excited in my life. 
there were going to be some really great games this week, and then the teams that played the previous week got trapped in their trap games. I'm not kidding. They got trapped in their trap games. I'll tell you what's going on nationally. So USC's at UCLA. Based on last week's rankings, it would have been number eight USC at number 12 UCLA, just like the old days. If you're old enough, you remember when this was a huge game every year. Turn on late, USC-UCLA, Battle of Los Angeles. It was always a big game. Even for those of you that are old, old. Oh, yes, I'm talking to those of you that remember the old, old days, the 50s and 60s. Yes, this used to be a big game, even into the 80s and then in the 90s. Well, it would have been bigger if UCLA would have beaten Arizona last week, and uh, it's kind of depressing. But USC still has to go to UCLA. So if USC wants to kind of finagle their way into this mess, they're going to need to win this game. So the game still does matter, obviously. Uh, Number 13, Utah at number six, Oregon. These rankings are going to change as well. Uh, Would have meant more if Oregon would have beaten Washington, but they did not. So we just get some lame game in Eugene. Uh, TCU has a weird Big 12 trap game at Baylor. I can feel it. You might be wondering, why is he talking about TCU Baylor? I just can feel these things. I can feel it in my plumes. I can feel it. So let's get to the Big Ten games. Illinois is at Michigan. Uh, No word now. We believe Chase Brown's okay. Uh, Michigan should be full go. They're favored by 18 in the big house. Game's going to be at 11 a.m. on ABC. Uh, Two weeks ago when we talked about this game and I sat down with uh, Brian Crozier, You know, we thought Illinois actually had a decent chance of winning that game because Michigan's style of play kind of lines up with Illinois' strengths. But, uh, yeah, I don't uh, think that's the case anymore. I think Michigan is ready and focused, and they're looking forward to pile drive the Illini. I'm going to do predictions this week. I think Michigan is going to win this game 31-6. to I got Michigan 31, Illinois 6. Five and five, Wisconsin. This is what you can call for them a must win. And I hate putting too much on Leonard this week, but I think this is a game he has to win. He has to win this game. Now, you might be saying, well, would would it be different if he were six and four? And I kind of think, yeah, I think he has to make a bowl. I think he's got to make a bowl after what happened. He's got to show that he can win with these guys. You can't have a letdown like what happened last week. You got to win in Lincoln. At 3-7 and seven, Nebraska, that game will be on at 11 a.m. on ESPN. The Badgers are favored by 13. For me, it's a must-win for them. I think they got to get that going into their final week. Northwestern's at Purdue. The Boilers are 6-4. and four. You know, the Boilers have been known for dropping the easy ones and winning the hard ones. The Boilers, though, are favored by 20, and Northwestern's not very good. So uh, Purdue should be fine. And it's amazing to sit here and even think that they got a shot in an 8-4 season in a Big Ten championship. But hey... That's where we're at. Indiana's at Michigan State. Sparty's at 5-5. Five and five. That game will be on at 11 a.m. on the Big Ten Network. No line on that yet as Indiana waits for their quarterback news to come through. I feel pretty good about the Spartans winning this and uh, getting themselves to be bowl eligible in what has been uh, probably the most up-and-down season you can think of from the suspensions to the upsets to the no-show games where you thought they were going to show up and a team that we thought was going to compete for, you know, we thought for one of the top couple spots in the Big Ten East and then just to be a total no-show. So 
to turn around and be able to get a bowl out of it, it's got to be worth something. Ohio State's at Maryland. That's going to be on at 2.30 on ABC. The Bucks are favored by 27 and a half. How will the Terps respond to what happened last week? I mean, they really got beat up, physically got beat up. They're going to be at home. I think they're going to have a lot more momentum. I think they're going to be more focused. Don't be surprised if Maryland jumps out and hangs with these guys for a little bit. Ohio State's going to still win the game. They may have a little bit of a trap thing going on here. But uh, I've got Ohio State winning 42-21. to 21. Penn State, did I do the other games? No, I don't think I did. Oh, Wisconsin-Nebraska. I've got Wisconsin winning 13-10. to 10. <laughs> I think it's going to be bad. Northwestern or Purdue, I got Purdue winning 35-13. to 13. I've got Michigan State beating Indiana 38-13. to 13. And, oh, Penn State at 8-2. and two. Penn State roll into a 10-win season. Going to Rutgers, their last chance for bowl eligibility. They're going to bring it in this game. Greg Schiano is going to have his team ready to play. They're going to be ready to play at home. They're going to be psyched. Um, I don't think this is going to be a gimme game, but I think Penn State wins 24-10. Iowa at Minnesota in my favorite game, the battle for the Floyd of Rosedale. Oh, they're going to get that big old pig. The Hawkeyes are 6-4. and four. The Gophers are 7-3. and three. It's at 3 p.m. on Fox. Huge Big Ten West implications. The Gophers are favored by 2.5. I feel Minnesota is going to find a way to grind out the win. And I think the weather is going to be bad. I think it's going to be ugly. And I've got 10-7 Minnesota in overtime, by the way. Why am I giving them touchdowns? I've got Minnesota winning this game. 13 to 10 in overtime. There we go. Uh, the MAC, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, Bowling Green needs a win at Toledo to stay alive. Ohio needs to win at Ball State to keep their MAC East edge. And then there's some other games. Hey, we did mention Northern actually won a game last week. So congratulations to the Huskies. It has been a nightmare of a season. They're hosting Miami this upcoming week. And uh, Western is at Central and Michigan. That's Western Michigan. Akron's at Buffalo, and the Bulls are trying to stay alive there. And then Eastern Michigan's at Kent State in a battle of teams trying to play for respectability. In the Missouri Valley Football Conference, Illinois State would love to finish with a winning season. They get a chance for that at home against Western. Southern will try to ruin Youngstown's playoff chances by winning at Youngstown. Missouri State's in Indiana State. Northern Iowa's at South Dakota. Uh, Both teams are done there. And then North Dakota at North Dakota State is the game everybody's eyes will be on. If North Dakota State can win... They will pretty much guarantee uh, that buy in the first round of the FCS playoffs. And for North Dakota, if they win this game, they will make the playoffs. It'll put them at 8-3. and three. They've really turned it around after that early season loss to Southern Illinois. So uh, they're in pretty good shape too. It's going to be an interesting week of football. We've got some good games. It's a week before some really, really great games though. That weekend after Thanksgiving, oh my God, it's going to be so delicious. You're going to be sitting down at the Thanksgiving table with all that wonderful food in front of you, that turkey, cranberry sauce, gravy, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, peas, corn. I don't know what else you eat. What else do you eat? Mac and cheese. Whatever you eat on Thanksgiving, it's going to be delicious. There's going to be football all around you, family, friends, good times, food. Did I mention food? Ah, it's the greatest holiday of the year. There's not even a close second. There's not a third. There's not a fourth. It's Thanksgiving. It's the best. So I hope you enjoy it. I'll be enjoying it. I'll be enjoying the semifinals 
of the IHSA football playoffs as well. I'll be checking out those uh, this upcoming weekend. So whatever you're doing, make sure you follow us at Dooley Football on Twitter. Make sure you friend us on Facebook if you go down to that Dooley Football Cavalcade, the Midwest Football Cavalcade, if you will, and make sure you subscribe to this podcast as well. We're excited for the rest of the college football season. Hope you guys enjoy this upcoming weekend and stay safe if you're in the Midwest with all that new snow coming in and that cold wave coming through. You guys have a great rest of the week. I'm John Dooley. I'll talk to you guys later and happy football. Have a good one, guys.